Thank you so much. Um, good morning, church. Okay, so we're going to look at God's treasure as our topic today. Um, let's take our first reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and verse 44 up to verse 46. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. Jesus talked about two parables in one. That is the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Jesus is talking about. And verse, verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Wonderful. So Jesus begins to tell them in the parables, in the three parables of Jesus, most of them, Jesus talks about the kingdom. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. talks about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is at your hand. The kingdom of heaven is near you. The kingdom of heaven has come. Most of Jesus' parables are leading and aligning people to receiving the kingdom that is coming. And most of them are well explained by Matthew in the book of Matthew. And we see that from in chapter 6, verse, verse 33, going down there, Jesus begins to introduce about the kingdom. He talks about how we look and we treasure and we seek for so many things that are temporarily. They are very temporal. Once we find them, we lose them. And then Jesus is saying that I want to introduce to you something that it, when you find it, you can never lose it. And Jesus says, this is the kingdom. The kingdom of God. When you find the kingdom of God, your life finds meaning. Your life finds purpose. Your life will be aligned with the original uh, DNA or original identity for which you are created. You find purpose. When you find this kingdom, your life will never be the same. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these treasures you look after, you will find them. Clothes, food, shelter, good life, joy, and all these things, you will find them. The most and the highest priority of man is to find the kingdom of God and live in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, that's the reign of God. That's the dominion of God. That's the place where we exhort God and seek after the will of God. So Jesus now in 13th chapter is giving them a couple of examples about the kingdom of God. And today we're just going to look at the two kingdoms, or the two examples that Jesus is saying. First of all, he talks about a man. This man looks to be a hired worker, who is working hard in order to supply or to provide for himself. This man is working in another person's field. As he's working, as he's toiling, to be able to get the money out of it, so that he would go and fulfill or probably supply his own needs, right? He wake, he's working so that he can get money to go and buy either food or clothes or shelter or whatever it is that he's looking for. In his quest to that uh, fulfillment or pursuit, as he was digging, he finds or discovers a precious jewel that is hidden in this particular field. 
he finds a great treasure that was hidden in this particular field. To his excitement, he says that this, this treasure is worth far more worth than anything else. He goes to go and sell everything that he had. He was so excited having discovered a great treasure. He sold everything that he owned to go and buy this particular field because the treasure that was in the field was more precious and more important than everything that he owned. That's why he had to trade everything that he owned in order to acquire or have this particular field, which had the treasure in it. And then he talks about a merchant who was on the quest to find pearls. And one day he, find, he found a pearl of great value and he sold everything that he owned in order to go and find or buy this particular pearl that he found. Jesus is talking about our lives. He's saying that the kingdom of God is a great, a great treasure. And, and, and a man in, in quest for all the treasures that we have, in quest for our lives uh, to, to make our lives better or to, to have everything and build our great name, Jesus is saying that when you find the kingdom of God, when you allow yourself to be rooted in the kingdom of God. You will be more excited. You will be, you have more meaning. You will find more excitement in this life than you can. Such that the kingdom of God is worthy giving away everything you have in order to pursue and find God. Jesus talks about it also when he talks about you can give, if a man wants to follow me, let, let him give away everything, deny himself, give away everything they have, take up their own cross and follow me. And he says that if you want to save your own life, you will lose it. But when you want to lose your life oh, for my sake, you will find it and it will be filled with joy. So the kingdom of God is with us letting go of everything here on earth in order to find it. And when we find it, will be more excited, will be filled with joy like these two people in this particular proverb. Now, we are God's treasures. How many of you know that you are God's treasures? The Bible says that we are God's treasured possessions. We are God's treasured possessions. God created us in his own image, in his own likeness. The DNA of God is in us. He bestowed his own life within us. And he calls us his treasures. And he has given us to this earth as a gift. We are God's gift to this particular earth. We are God's treasures possession. The Bible calls us we are a peculiar people. A holy, a holy nation. A priest, a kingdom of priests and kings before the Lord our God. Therefore, we ought to seek what God, what pleases God. As God's treasured possession, our highest duty is to do what pleases Him. Our value is because we are in the hand of God and owned by God. We find value in the hands of God. We find value by belonging to our God. And when you are outside God, away from God, you lose that value. Away from your creator, away from the one in whose hands you find value. If you move away and begin to seek 
other quests and other things that are not that which pleases him, you'll be able to lose your value. We have a great example of a guy who had great value, who was very highly esteemed and respected. It was all because he was in, the, in his father's house. When he left to go and, and find a quest for his own and find things that please him, we see that he lost that value until he returned back to his father. He regained the value. And that's the, uh, the parable of a prodigal son who was very well respected by the wakers and everyone in his father's house. Immediately, he sought out to go and be his own man, be independent, away from his father's dominion or governance. He lost all the value. He was reduced down to the pigs. And his value as a king, as a prince in his father's house was all gone. Until he came back to his senses, to return to his father, to reverence his father, to humble himself before his father and say, I don't even want to be your son. Make me one of your servants in your house. And the father welcomed him back. The man regained his value. He regained his treasure. Why did he have a signature ring? He had a robe. He had sandals. There was a party that was shown because he Return. That is just showing us in the hand of our God, in the hand of God, our creator, we are treasured possession. We are a great treasure. And when we remain and abide in God, when we remain and exalt the name of our God and reverence our God, God will reverence us. God will lift us up. God will make us respected. The Bible says that if we exalt God on high, he will exalt us on high. Because he lowers, he humbles the proud, and he lifts those who are humble. May we this morning find our way back in the hand of God, because that's where we belong. Amen. Isaiah 33, verse 5 and 6. Has some, something to say about that. This is what the Bible says. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You are God's treasure. But then the Bible is saying that the fear of the Lord in you is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to your importance, to your value here on earth. Now, let us look at some of the treasures that are highlighted in this particular vision, uh, in this particular uh, scripture. We have the first one. The Bible says that he will fill Zion with what? Number one, justice. Justice is a treasure here on earth. Many people here on earth, they go to seek after wonderful, experienced lawyers in order to give them justice to whatever they are going through. And the whole earth is bankrupt of justice because there's just so much injustice here on earth. That treasure is found in our God. When we, are, we find God, we find he's a God of justice. How about righteousness? Right? The world is bankrupt of righteousness. That's why we find wars. That's why we find people killing each other. We find a mother against the daughter, son against the father in this last time. We find families divided. We find famine, wars, anger, diseases here on earth. All these things, James says, where do all these things come from? They come from within us. 
because of unrighteousness. That's what James says if you read the book of James. He says, where does all these wars come from? They come from within us, fighting, battle, and all these things. They come from our own sinful desires and our rebellion to God, our stubbornness and our rebellious deeds against God. We want to be our own God. And we have nothing to do with God. Right now in the world, people can worship about anything, knowledge. Uh, they can worship about nature and all these things. And they say, we do not need any other. We need no one. We are okay by ourselves. The world is so bankrupt of righteousness. But this treasure can be found in the presence of God. Because the first statement says that God is exalted. Hallelujah. When you exalt God, when you lift God in your family, justice will be your package. Righteousness will reign in that particular family. When a nation lifts up the name of God, there will be justice in that nation. There will be righteousness in that nation. But if God is sidelined, the world will be bankrupt of these wonderful treasures. What's another treasure? The foundation. It says foundation, being family rooted, being established thriving as a nation, as a church, as families will be established when we exalt the name of our God. Because the Bible says it is God who appoints kings and who does what? Who brings down kings? God establishes kingdoms and he dethrones kingdoms. He brings down kingdoms. It is God who lifts those who are humble, those who are seeking after him daily. They will find him and the Bible says that God will lift them and establish them. May God begin to establish you and your family in the name of Jesus. Because you're choosing to lift up the name of God. What other treasures do we find in this? Rich store of salvation. Wisdom and knowledge. And the world is, is lacking these particular things. Salvation. You know, for God so loved the world. He loved you and I so much that he could not even spare his own son. Jesus, he sent him to come and die so that you may find salvation. So that we may find eternal life. So that we may find eternal life. That we may find meaning to life. Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes to me, we will, come, he will, we will never be lost. We will never be taken away or forsaken. We find wisdom. Today, there's a quest for wisdom in this world and knowledge. There's so much quest for knowledge. We want to know things. We want to know. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. If you come to me, you will know the way. You will have wisdom. You will have knowledge. Because 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, the Bible says, it's because of him that we are in Christ Jesus who has become our knowledge, our wisdom, our wealth, our righteousness in Christ Jesus. We are righteous. So these treasures, the Bible says, can you bring back the scripture? The treasures, the Bible says, because of the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Now, this shows why we are lacking these particular things. Justice, righteousness, uh, being family rooted, salvation, wisdom, knowledge in this life. Because the world has lost the fear of the Lord. We have lost the fear of the Lord. We live life the best it suits us. We live life as we are pleased. 
as though we are of our own, as though we belong to ourselves. We forget that we were purchased, we were bought with, with a precious price, the blood of Jesus that was so was shed on the cross of Calvary, sanctified us and bought us from the power of the enemy. Satan had a grasp over us. From the Garden of Eden, he declared his mastery of our lives. He, he declared dominion of our lives. We lost our rights. We lost our authority, our identity. But it required a perfect sacrifice to come and die in order to take us away from that grasp. We were like sheep led to be slaughtered. All of us scattered and our condemnation was going to be death because of the sin that easily entangles us. But Jesus came that we may have life and have life in abundance. But today, there's no fear of the Lord in the world. There's no reverence for God in the world. There is no, there is no uh, uh, reverence and, and giving God his place in our lives. If you walk to a person and rebuke or tell them of what they are doing, they will tell you, who are you to tell me how to live? I live the best way I feel like. It's all about I feel like. It's about I, me, and myself. This morning, I came to remind you that we are not of our own. We belong to God. And God is calling for his bride into the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of God will be our sure foundation. The fear of God will restore justice. The fear of God will restore righteousness. The fear of God will grant us wisdom, knowledge, and the salvation as the truth store treasures of salvation if we embrace and live in the fear of God, if we reverence our God, if we dwell with our God and allow God to reign. Well, when talking about fear, many people they, they, they may feel like, no, I don't want to be afraid because we want to fight against the fear. This particular fear I'm talking about, what is the fear of the Lord? It's not any other fear. We're simply talking about we are talking about the awe of God. We are talking about the reaction to his majesty and power. We are talking about the reverence of God. Where does all this come from? It comes from the, it comes from the revelation of God. When you, you have the revelation of God, you will bow before him. You will submit before him. You will honor God. You will avoid and run away from sin in order to do that which pleases God. Jesus says that I have not come to do my own will. Everything I do, I do to honor my Father in heaven. The awe of God. The fear of God. The Bible talks about the awe of God in the first church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Everyone, uh, they uh, read the word of God together. They stay together. They dwell together. And the awe of God grew among them. The fear of the Lord grew among them. The reverence of God was so intense among them. Such that miracles, signs, and wonders were daily routine. The righteousness, the supernatural became natural, became normal. When they heard the dead are uh, being raised to life, they were not even surprised because they knew God was in their midst. When they saw the blind being to sing, uh, the, the lame walking, and the deaf would again hear, the mute would speak. When they saw miracles, greater miracles happening among them, they were not surprised because they knew this is what can happen when there is the fear of God among his people. May God begin to restore you to the fear of the Lord in the name of Jesus. May we begin to find our way back 
to the fear of God. Well, this fear of God we are talking about, it's not what is, <laughs> let me talk about like what the fear of the Lord is not. The first one, when talking about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is not the natural fear. There is, we have natural fear. There are many versions of fear. There's natural fear. In this part of fear, we are talking about a fear, something that is part of human nature. Part of human nature. People are afraid of many things. Others are afraid of heights. If you tell you, they go up above the ground certain meters, they are so afraid. Others are afraid of probably roller coaster rides. Others are afraid of being on the plains. Others are afraid of climbing mountains or speeds. Others are afraid of uh, so many other things being clustered. Uh, others are, are afraid, afraid of wars. People are afraid of the fear of dark. Others are afraid of lightning. Uh, my father-in-law is not here. He has, he has testified many times. He was so much afraid of the lightning because of maybe some things that he had when growing up. I remember him. How many of you remember him giving that testimony here in the pulpit? He did how whenever it was about to rain and there this lightning in the sky, he would go and hide himself under the table. And we are all afraid. My wife is is afraid of heights. <laughs> she can't go up. I wonder each time she's up here on the pulpit, it's a miracle because she's so above her comfort zone. But she glorifies the Lord with that fear. Others are claustrophobic. They are afraid of being confined and all that. This is natural fear, things that we have not developed instinct or stimuli over. We are afraid of so many other things. The fear of the Lord, we are not talking about, it's not this natural fear. We are talking about the reverence, the awe, and the submission to the revelation of who God is in your life. The submission of the revelation of God in your life. Well, we have another version of fear, which is not the fear of God, which is called the demonic fear. This demonic fear is so much spiritual fear. And this kind of fear, it, it enslaves people. It puts you under a certain confinement such that you can't break free. You can't break through. You are afraid of things. Others are so superstitious such that this fear, it actually limits the quality of their lives. The demonic fear actually, it aims to move or take you away from God. It moves you from trust and faith in God, knowing that God is more powerful than the one in us, more than the one who is in the world. It, it moves away from the understanding that together with God we shall do valiantly. It removes away from the understanding of God is powerful over every spirit, power, authority, and it wants to promote darkness and promote Satan. This kind of fear, the demonic fear, is so tormenting. It will torment your bones your marrows, and your soul if you give room to it. Satan as a way of wanting to reduce our quality of life, of reducing us from becoming successful and becoming what God has destined us to become if we give room to him. So the kind of fear, this kind of fear, it makes us slave. It produces slavery. Well, the Bible says something about, about this kind of fear and say the fear of God is not. In Romans chapter Chapter 8 and verse 15 up to verse 17, the Bible says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory. Hallelujah. The Bible is saying that the spirit is saying that the spirit of God, the fear of God, is not about it. This because the spirit of darkness it brings slavery, it brings uh, chains and imprisonment. But the spirit we received, the spirit of the fear of God that we have received, does not make us slaves. But it, it brings us to adoption. It brings us to friendship with God. It brings us to righteousness. It brings us to holy living. We are God's children and reigning and living with God. Actually, we are more free when we dwell with God. Because 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, also Paul is saying to Timothy that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. The spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. And the spirit of the fear of God. As God's treasures, as God's treasures possessions, we ought to dwell and live in the fear of God. In the reverence of God. And the, the sign that you see that you are dwelling and probably living in the fear of God will be your submission to God. Your submission to God. Your submissiveness to his will. You desiring and wanting to accomplish the will of God at all costs. Well, here is the last on my list today about the fear. Why the fear of God is not the fear of man. The fear of God is not the fear of man. This fear, this particular fear, it has reduced mighty men and women. People with potential. People with great capacity. They ended up not living out their best. Because they were so afraid of their fellow men. And this is very common in our world today. It's very common in our world today. People are so much afraid of what other people would say. At even the expense, at the expense of their obedience and submission to God. People are afraid of what everyone else will. And we have people in the Bible who overcame this kind of fear. And they did grace. One, one, one of them is Abraham. When God told him to go and... To go and, and sacrifice his only son uh, at the mountain that God would show him. You know, Abraham thought about it probably. What the wife would say, what other people would say. There was no one doing that particular thing. Because he had the fear of God in him and the reverence of God. Abraham took off his off to go and sacrifice his only son. Painfully as it was, he did everything he could to be able to obey God. And you know what God says? The Bible says because you had the fear of God, God counted it for to him for faith and righteousness. And he calls Abraham the friend of God. And the father of those who believe. The fear of God. We are so afraid of the world today. Such that the young people, they compromise a lot. They are into, uh, they are into all kinds of addiction. Pornography, drinking, and, and smoking. Because their friends are doing that. They are like, if I don't do this, what do my friends do? They will think that I'm a weirdo. Because I'm not doing what is trending. The fear of man takes us away from the fear of God. Other people have... Ended up being in prison for following what the world do. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, that you may know that which is good, perfect, and the pleasing and acceptable will of God for your life. Well, let me tell you, the will of God is that you may live in the fear of God. That you may worship him. You may dwell with him. That you may be friend of God and live with God for the rest of your life. The fear of man removes or takes away from us the fear of God. 
Let me give you an example in the Bible. First Samuel 15, 24. A mighty king, a great king by the name of Saul. The Bible says that God instructed him. God made him king. He chose him. He was not qualified. God chose him and put him to be king over his own treasured nation. And this man had to walk in the fear of God to maintain that position and the gift that God had given him. But one day he was under pressure and he was afraid of what the man could do. God had told him to wait through Samuel. God said, wait until the right, the right time. Then I'll tell you what to do. Then you win this battle. Do you know what this man does? He was afraid of what the man would do. That's what the Bible says. I was afraid of the man, and so I gave in to them. I was afraid of the man, so I gave in to them. I was afraid of the man, so I gave in to them. Adam, what have you done? No, it's not me. It's because of what the woman said, and I gave in to her. Woman, what have you done? What have you done? No, it's not me. Uh, it's because of the serpent, what she said, and I gave in to the serpent. Today, many people are going astray because of the fear of man. They are afraid of what their men, the fellow men would say, what the world would say. They are afraid of the world. May we develop today the fear of God and the reverence of God because God wishes and wants the best for you and I. God wants you to do and to live the best that he has designed for you. God has designed greater things for you and I. Like it said in Isaiah, you can only get them by having the fear of God. Isaiah 33 said the fear of God is key to these treasures. To these treasures. As God's treasure, you are invited and called. And it's your duty to live in the fear of God. To live in the fear of God. Here is a statement. What you fear is your God. What you fear the most is your God. What you fear the most is your God. If you fear man, if you fear losing, if you fear the future, that becomes your idol. That becomes what controls your quality of life. What you fear the most will reduce the quality of your life. Here's a question to you this morning. What are you afraid of? Or rather, what do you fear? What do you fear the most in your life? The Bible is calling us to the reverence of God. Others are afraid of the future. Others are afraid of the night and so many other things. Others even afraid of what their bosses, their spouse, their children, their whatever will say at the expense of fulfilling God's will. God is calling us to the fear of God, to the reverence of God. 